0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Regal Podcast. Just with me the, me today, and I am joined with Chloe Lees, who is a vegan artist, and we're going to be talking about a bunch of different motivations as to why she's vegan, the benefits or drawbacks from being vegan, and also a look into her views on the conscious and subconscious, and how they interact with reality. So, hello Chloe, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah.
0: Would you like hi. to give a super quick introduction, who you are, what you do, what you're interested in, why you're here, all that sort of good stuff?
2: Yeah. um Hi, I'm Chloe. Uh, I'm a uni student at uh, Norwich University of the Arts, where I'm studying fine art. Um, my art is motivated by concepts of mortality and um, how sensory perception facilitates sort of everyday mortal understanding. So, uh, basically just the defining quality of human existence <laughs> and reality, basically. <laughs> so so
0: no, nothing too heavy then?
2: <laughs> no, no.
0: <laughs> how did you uh, find that inspiration then? Like, why is that what inspires you above all above all else?
2: Um. So that's, well, basically because of, it probably stems from my own experience, like, with my mortality and sort of realising how fragile, mm. like, our human bodies are
0: basically yeah yeah for sure like there's there's a lot of things that can happen and then they just sort of make you think like you know what yeah you know, what if it just all ended what if you know you never yeah. you never know at the end of the day um yeah. what was what was that sort of experience for you then
2: um so i was in a car crash mm. um i think three is it three, is it three? yeah three years ago now and so when i was uh 16 i think yeah um but yeah that (laughs) that was that was how that kind of started just from being in a car crash and having that sort of near-death experience um i became a lot more appreciative of sort of just everyday mundane things really
0: Mm. So, do you feel that that has had, like, the biggest impact on your art, why you create it, and your overall outlook on life?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, in relation to my everyday, um, life, um, very think. <laughs> no problem. Um, I think that um I know it's a bit sort of a bit cringy, probably a bit like cliche, but I definitely do sort of um live life to the full more. Um, I think I'm far more sort of experimental with things. Um I think my mum's definitely said before that like I've done things, like after it happened, like I did things that I wouldn't have done a few months before. Like I sort of appreciate more the everyday counts and I'm more sort of positive also about my abilities to do things so um yeah. maybe sort of i don't know less anxious about certain things because i just kind of think well you just got to go for it haven't you
0: yeah definitely i'm i'm very much of the mindset of try uh, within reason try most things once like try everything once because yeah. at the end of the day if you try it and don't like it just don't do it again it's not that big a deal most decisions exactly, yeah. <laughs> are reversible. Exactly, most decisions are reversible anyway. So you know, if you try something yeah. and don't like it, it's like, okay, cool, <laughs> just don't yeah, do it again. <laughs> um, so I think it's definitely a good thing that you've kind of broadened your horizons as such. You know, you're more open to experiencing life because at the end of the yeah. day, that's what life is, isn't it? Experience. Yeah. yeah,
2: and I think I think that comes with sort of other things, just age and stuff as well. But that mm. was definitely like a key moment for me, like the. Um, being
0: in a car crash like that really sort of mm. set Jolted. it in my head yeah <laughs> yeah get yeah. Okay, yeah yeah sometimes and infor- not not so good but um sometimes unfortunately it does take you know a traumatic event to then kind of uh, well open yeah. open you up and unlock your kind of mind to new possibilities so um and what you say about yeah, age definitely. i'm kind of experiencing as well like when you're younger you kind of seem to share the same kind of opinions on things as your parents maybe or or people who are raising you or your peers but as i've got older especially coming to university for me anyway i've kind of sort of been open to trying things and then being like okay you know what that actually isn't as bad or that's worse than i was told i don't want to do that again yeah. um so is that kind of your experience as well
2: yeah definitely i think so i think obviously going to uni is another massive thing
1: that
2: mm-hmm. um sort of opens you to trying new stuff and just being more, I don't know, just open to trying lots of new things, really.
0: Yeah, I get you. Yeah, no, that's definitely good then. So, is you being open to trying new things the reason why you are vegan, or are you vegan for different reasons?
2: Um, so, um, obviously I haven't always been vegan, so I was vegetarian and then vegetarian for I think about four years or so total uh-huh.
1: um,
2: and then I became vegan and now I've been I've been vegan for almost two years I think uh-huh. so um, I was quite aware of it from my mum because she's been sort of vegetarian pescatarian for most of her life so I think that um, that's definitely had like a lot of like a lot of a lot of influence on me because um, we've always kind of eaten quite vegetarian as a family. So I think the change to going vegan for me wasn't maybe as dramatic as it would be for some people because I was only cutting out sort of dairy. And before I was such a child, I only ate like chicken, basically chicken, <laughs> fish, you know, that's the basics. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, so it wasn't um, that big of a leap for you then?
2: No. But I think I don't think I think saying that like, I don't think that it's impossible mm-hmm. for anyone. I think everyone could do it if you could do it gradually.
0: I think if I had a big enough motivation for doing it, I definitely could. But yeah. the motivation for doing it isn't bigger than the how much I enjoy steak and eggs. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so what is pescatarian? That's eating fish and vegetables, um, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
2: Well, pescatarian is. Um, it's vegetarian. It's the same as vegetarian in the way that you don't eat mm. meat, but pescatarian is when you do eat fish, but you don't eat other meat. Basically,
0: why do they make but that think, distinction? Do you know?
2: I I don't know. It's an interesting one because obviously, like fish are animals, mm. but I think some people do it to obviously cut down on their meat intake, mm. but still feeling like they need the fish for sort of other reasons i mean as i said about um my mom like she was vegetarian for a very long time and i think she started eating fish again like when she was pregnant because i think mm. she felt like she needed that sort of food
0: <laughs> like the protein the omega-3 yeah sort of stuff. yeah
2: and obviously you can get you can get that from other things like it's just you need to think about how you're eating and like make sure obviously if you aren't vegan that you have got a balanced diet and you're getting everything you need but Mm -hmm. yeah obviously that would be omega stuff as you said like that is very high in fish
0: what would you say then to people that if they don't eat meat they get very anemic very quickly and they you know they have maybe deficiencies in like calcium protein what would you kind of say to people who want to be vegan but if they are vegan and they don't eat meat and they don't eat these natural sources of these different uh, nutrients they actually then get ill like what would you kind of recommend for them
2: um i think you i mean you can get everything that you need from um different like um vegetables like and um, spinach and um, beans, seeds, nuts, like are all high in kind of stuff that people might kind of always think that just meat has mm. as well. So I think you just, obviously if you do have those issues, I think you just need to research and you want to be vegan. I think you just need to research into what um, other foods obviously have what you need. Because I mean, you shouldn't be, getting ill from being vegan like <laughs> mm. i'm fine <laughs>
0: okay so it's just a case of researching understanding which foods have the yeah, right nutrients and eating them
2: yeah i mean it's the same as if maybe i guess i get that it's um, maybe harder in some ways if you are mm-hmm. vegan but it's the same as like if you're eating meat you do need to have a balanced diet yeah to get
0: everything you need so. oh yeah for sure there are plenty of people that yeah, get ill yeah. n- who aren't vegan because they're just eating yeah, takeaways yeah. every day for example yeah
2: not chicken nuggets and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> at yeah. you
0: at you five years ago <laughs>
2: um
0: do you do you find it's easier then and I, this may just be because i'm not aware but do you find it's easier to avoid things like takeaways um because as far as i'm aware there aren't as many vegan takeaways
2: Sorry, you did cut out a I little bit
0: at out. the end. Okay, no problem. I did think I did. Um <laughs> but I had the
2: takeaway bit. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: so essentially do you find it easier to avoid takeaways now and like save money and save um the effect on the environment that has? Um,
2: I don't think I've ever been like ever been massively one to get mm. loads of uh takeaways and stuff. I mean I don't I mean people do have this sort of conception sometimes that veganism is really expensive which I've never understood because obviously like different alternatives and different sort of like fake meat substitutes Mm -hmm. and things like that obviously can be expensive but you don't and I I do like them, I'm not saying that I don't like these things but um, you don't need to be buying that kind of thing to be vegan. Um, Obviously like some of the sort of cheapest like um diets and meals in the world are vegan because it's all sort of grains and rice and vegetables and Mm -hmm. everything like that
0: yeah because when i think veganism like my first thought is like soy milk almond milk and obviously that is then a more expensive alternative to normal milk so that's possibly where it comes from just the association the higher price
2: yeah i don't know how much Normal milk is to be honest, but um, you can get like um the big sort of cartons of soy milk for like 80 p. So no. um, I don't mm, feel like enough that's
0: enough.
2: Less... <laughs> no,
0: no, fair enough then. Actually, yeah. No, <laughs> okay, I,
2: I... obviously, oh. yeah. Go on. So oh, sorry, <laughs> there's obviously like all of different like better brands mm. and like you can get and you can get them, but like you can find soy milk for probably like two, three pounds. But you can get. You can get the same thing for cheaper as well. It's just mm. about not buying the branded stuff. I yeah, guess. that's fair. To
0: be to be fair, when I think soy milk or almond milk, I think Ulpro, and they are ridiculously yeah, yeah. expensive. They're like two fifty a carton or something stupid.
2: Yeah, yeah, they reduce sometimes to a pound, but I don't get them if they're not. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's fair. Okay, cool then. So you, you just so there are there is like food available outside of just vegetables and fruit that you can eat that are actually more affordable because that was always one big kind of argument i've heard against veganism which is it's so expensive it's so inconvenient
2: yeah i mean i've never found it i wouldn't say it was inconvenient Mm -hmm. at all but i think um as it is like constantly becoming more popular and like um just more of a well-known sort of thing Mm -hmm. i think that um it is stuff you can get stuff for cheaper like and it is a lot more accessible like i don't you don't ever really go anywhere now obviously we can't go any out at the moment but (laughs) i never really go anywhere and they haven't got at least sort of one or two options now
0: yeah to be fair even mcdonald's has a vegan burger now don't they if i'm yeah
2: yeah i mean you just yeah you just ask without mayo yeah yeah oh god you (laughs) can't even have mayo (laughs) see i I always think
0: oh veganism is not that bad but then i'm like you can't have eggs you can't have cheese you can't have meat oh no yeah but there's
2: there's all these alternatives like the vegan mayonnaise doesn't taste any different to normal mayonnaise Mm -hmm. in my opinion
0: to be fair i've had meat alternatives before and it's not that bad like chicken meat um i've had as an alternative that's quite nice the only vegan alternative i've had that i hate is cocktail sausages Oh really? Yeah, they taste horrific yeah. to me. They taste like fiend. I
2: don't know, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I, I don't really think... I've tried, I had the corn ones when I was veggie, but I don't know, no I don't really think that they're that great either to be honest Oh, Oh, corn not vegan? Um, a lot of the corn stuff has like, egg or milk in it. There's stuff that doesn't, but ah. half of their stuff isn't vegan though.
0: Right, okay, okay so what what's like the big brand for vegan food then
2: um i mean there's quite a lot now as i say like yeah. it's definitely more of a sort of known, accessible kind of
0: <laughs> there goes the <that laughs> phone
2: <laughs> i knew that was gonna happen um <laughs> tiny ears um i just lost <laughs> um wait what did you ask me <laughs>
0: I was just saying like what what are the what kind of brands do you normally go for then if there was like a brand that was vegan food?
2: yeah. Um so I think plant pioneers is pretty good. Mm. Um just trying to think there there are a lot though. Um I do get I get quite a lot of tofu and things like that though, and that's not really much of a brand thing, like I just get whatever's sort of cheapest. But no plant pioneers pretty good um Linda mccartney do quite a bit of vegan stuff as well
0: okay fair enough then uh sounds uh, sounds quite good then to be fair like at least there is yeah. that option that variety now yeah. um what is tofu like i've heard of it but i've never actually understood what it is
2: um it's like um soybeans mm. um i don't really have to describe it you just get like blocks of it <laughs> Or you can get it in different ways, but um
0: I know it looks like g- it looks like jelly, doesn't it? Almost. Um I might be wrong. <laughs> Hang on, let me Google it. <laughs> In
2: Some ways maybe. You can get sort of um pressed and unpressed. Right, so you can okay. get it so that it's it can be either firmer or oh, more okay. of a jelly sort of Oh
0: no, I can see, everything. okay. It it almost looks like a block of yeah. cheese or butter.
2: Yeah, yeah. Definitely.
0: Okay, cool. Okay, cool. And it looks like croutons when you've fried it. Okay, cool, cool. I was yeah. just... That was just genuine genuine curiosity yeah. of mine. I've but never I seen think,
2: it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think... I've, no, I do really love smoothie spoons, because you can do a lot with it. You mm. can make sort of like egg mayonnaise with it. And like if you mash it, or you can obviously put it in stir-fries. and mm, It's
0: definitely.
2: quite plain, so it really like... I think it's really good in the way that you can just flavor it mm.
0: for whatever you want to yeah kind of like rice then or pasta very yeah. plain and just sort of adds substance yeah
2: yeah
0: okay cool cool um so um yeah so one question that we kind of wanted to ask you then is specifically what are your thoughts on factory farming as opposed to ethical hunting so you know you go like let's say for example i i hunt ethically for argument's sake um i go out to a forest i know exactly how to kill an animal in like one clean shot i know how to make sure that it's completely pain-free for the animal i know how to do it in a kind of ethical kind way um what are your thoughts then factory farming v ethical hunting
2: yeah so if it's not obviously like recreational hunting and it is for food and like for survival
1: because
2: mm-hmm. you need to eat <laughs> um, then i do think that that's fine if i don't have any issues with that mm-hmm. um i think that um yeah i think it's much less cruel than factory farming because what you're doing is you're killing an animal that's sort of naturally come to exist in the wild like that's truly much less cruel than the, sort of the days months years whatever to- of torture that animals endure in like factory farms like Yeah, I think it's quite different and sort of all um, factory-farmed animals have been like sort of genetically manipulated to produce more and produce faster, so Uh I don't know, it's quite unnatural because these animals sort of like grow twice as fast or just more than what is natural Uh which obviously then um, can result in, well it does result in lots of health conditions and injuries um so yeah i think factory farming is this sort of horrible sort of endless mass cycle you're not just killing something in the wild because
1: mm-hmm.
2: um you need to eat like it's different because for us like if we want i know that you're saying i know this is sort of a um uh, what's the question i want to hypothetical <laughs> Yes, that's a yeah, hypothetical question. But um obviously and it is um completely relevant, but obviously for us of course, in the Western world like it's not the case. Like we aren't we don't hunt to get meat. Um so you know, obviously if we want meat we're buying into this sort of artificial selection mm-hmm. to breed animals, like and pumping them with all these sort of like kind of unnatural things like sort of antibiotics and as i say like the growth hormone and keeping them in sort of horrible conditions and slaughtering them with machinery so
0: yeah okay
2: very, it's very different to the whole in the wild <laughs>
0: yeah yeah like, so so it kind of sounds like you're you know as long, as long as you're doing it in like a kind of animal friendly way for lack of a better term it's kind of not it's not as bad as factory farming which i agree is just horrific yeah yeah okay another hypothetical yeah. question for you then so I know you kind of said like in the western world we don't need to hunt to eat to survive I completely agree there is no, ne- no necessity for yeah. it because at the end of the day you go around the corner like I've got a Tesco right around the corner from my flat yeah. go there get whatever I need yeah. what, what if I, I kind of agreed with you I said I don't want to contribute to factory farming and equally I don't want to contribute to global warming and that whole kind of pandemic that's happening Um, so as a result i want to basically hunt ethically in a forest near my flat um, and kind of get my meat and my food through that rather than going to these shops and giving money to factory farms or having this extra packaging and these additives um, so the additives affecting my body and the packaging obviously affecting the environment would you then that say that would you then say aside from being vegan that is probably the better way to live your life in terms of ethics and helping the environment etc
2: yeah I mean obviously you're not gonna (laughs) do that but um, well no I'd have a forest near me unfortunately (laughs) but yeah I mean if you felt like you really that's what you wanted to do and you really felt like you do you did need to eat meat I mean obviously you don't have to do that at all Mm -hmm. then that's okay because it's but I think the issue is this just the mass consumption and the mass um sort of um killing of animals that is the issue mm-hmm. so if you're going to do it in your forest down the corner <laughs> it's completely different
0: yeah i'll go find a forest <laughs> and live off that <laughs> i'll just live in the forest that'll work <laughs> uh cheaper rent anyway um so Okay, so yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense then. So it's just a kind of. Yeah. Do, do you feel then that if everybody, like if we could somehow have everybody reduce their meat consumption to the point where maybe it's once a day or once a week sort of thing, do you think then yeah. that could kind of solve a lot of the issues that come from like factory farming and, and sort of hurting the animals, genetic engineering, that sort of stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean, if everyone did cut down on the amount of meat. That they eat, um, it would have a massive, like, po- massively positive impact on the environment as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, there are studies that prove that as well. Because um, I have my notes for like different stats for Harry, because Chuck said that Harry likes his stats. Yeah, he does. He
0: does. I mean, but feel I, free I, to I share
2: don't... them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, there's a University of Oxford study that um, if everyone cut down meat. And dairy from their diet. Oh, if everyone cut completely cut, mm-hmm. which obviously I know is like a the extreme, um, there would be like a forty nine percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions, gas, gas, greenhouse gas emissions from food production.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's a lot. A seventy percent reduction in the land use for food production as well, because sixty uh, seven percent. Of deforestation is for agriculture and obviously, um, so for the need for land, for animal feed, and the fields for animals. Um, So, yeah, so it also, also, this Oxford University thing also kind of says that um, if every family in the UK swapped just like one red meat meal a week to a plant-based meal the environmental impact would be the same as taking 16 million cars off the road so fair enough yeah
0: pretty big fair enough (laughs) yeah Um, dropping the numbers then fair yeah yeah (laughs)
1: fair
0: enough um i have read studies before and unfortunately i don't have it here with me but i've read studies before that kind of then try and argue the opposite so yes Getting rid of the like the meat production, the farming, etc., would reduce greenhouse gases, uh, and then it would kind of reduce the deforestation because you wouldn't have to build the farms, for example. But equally, would then would would that extra land that's been freed up then not get taken up by farms for the like the new need for plants and vegetables? Um, and equally, the factories needed to turn certain, se- like, beans and seeds into the food that can then be eaten.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I mean... Um, I, know, I had a note on this. No <laughs> um, but... Sorry, can you just like repeat the little last bit again
0: yeah no problem um so essentially could if if everybody was to then switch to plant based diets um dairy not not dairy uh, vegan diets essentially the extra yeah. like the lot the decrease in deforestation the decrease in greenhouse gases would that not have then been counterweighted by the new factories that have to be produced to deal with this demand for vegan foods to like process the food into tofu for argument's sake and also that extra land that's not being kind of used up now raising animals would that not then be used to actually grow the vegetables grow the fruit grow the plants in general for the vegan diet
2: yeah so obviously i mean at the moment all of these sort of plants and vegetables or whatever they are grown and um but they're not but we aren't the ones eating them Like it's the animals eating them So we are already growing Like masses and masses of these crops mm-hmm. Like we're using the land to do that already Yeah, it's then going to These animals that we're eating So we could just It's kind of like You could just need to You can cut out that middle part mm. And it can just go <laughs> straight Okay
0: So like cut out the middle man And just eat the food That the animals at the moment are eating Yeah Okay And like Go
2: on. Yeah, <laughs> I think the um, it's veganism is also like um much more like if you don't care about the animals' say, it, it's much more ethical in sort of combating world hunger as well because obviously, as I said, like a lot of the food that's grown in the world isn't being eaten mm. by people. Like it's so much of it um is going to the livestock that we then
0: eat. So. Mm. Yeah, okay. I think we, d- yeah. we
2: do sort of grow enough to feed everyone, like to feed the world, but because yeah. we're feeding all of the stuff that's grown to the animals, we actually then don't end up not having enough.
0: Could it be an issue and feel free to prove me wrong, I don't have a clue, um, but could it not be an issue that if all of a sudden, like, every, everybody's vegan, everybody eats essentially the food that the animals are eating, could it not then be the case that we end up eating all the food, so then the animals then don't actually have anything to eat?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I get you, Um, but there wouldn't be as many, there wouldn't be these masses of animals if we weren't, sort sure mass
0: breeding them in the first place okay, okay, so we so, wouldn't need to mass breed them so there wouldn't be in like you wouldn't need that much food in the first place
2: wouldn't be that about yeah
0: <laughs> right okay okay, yeah, okay, that actually makes a lot of sense then okay, fair enough um, <laughs> last sort of question specifically relating to your like vegan lifestyle vegan diet is do they, do you feel as as an artist that since becoming vegan slash being vegan offers you a different perspective from most people. Specifically, do you find that it's helping or hindering you getting in touch with your creative side to produce your art?
2: Yeah, so um, I think that obviously anything about... Like, it's a part of me and anything about anyone is going to alter sort of influence their perspective. So it is part of my everyday... And like my, my everyday reality. Um, I think also in relation to sort of viewing other people's artworks, um, I think that I sometimes see different things maybe more objectively. So I've recently, uh, my last sort of uni essay, I've recently written um, a piece about, I don't know if you know Slaughter Docks by. Rembrandt, it's basically just this painting of um, a carcass that's hung up on these wooden beams. Are you googling
0: it? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to google it. I won't show it on here just because I don't know how explicit it is. but
2: Oh, it's literally just a oh. carcass. It's oh, okay. Not even...
0: Okay, cool. I will drag this across now. Okay, cool. Continue.
2: Yeah, so um, I think instantly I'm sort of um, not just seeing this carcass I'm not just seeing this carcass as a piece of meat, like I'm seeing it as um the sentient being that's lost its life because of human action. I don't know if I don't know if I think that my perspective does sort of differ in that way because I don't know if you how you see it maybe perhaps more as like just like a body or like a bit of meat at first, whereas I kind of just instantly sort of think about the animal mm.
1: Um,
2: mm. but I think that it influences my perspective in analysing these other works and I don't know if I perhaps like, have a bit more of a sort of enlightened sort of appreciation mm-hmm. <laughs> of that kind of thing <laughs> um, but um, yeah I think and then I think also the in consideration of my own artwork and my sort of vegan perspective whatever um Mm. helps me in see my other concepts of mortality and reality because i'm not just thinking about human life and my own life i'm thinking about life of sort of all beings and the existence of other beings as well yeah and just sort of like the fragility of all bodies and Mm -hmm. not just human bodies
0: yeah definitely because yeah you definitely have a slightly different perspective to me because like when i look at that painting it's disturbing to look at but i don't consider right that cow had a life maybe they had like maybe cows called calves you know they had parents they've lived this life Um, (laughs) like that isn't where my mind goes it just kind of goes oh it's a picture of a slaughtered cow that's not very nice (laughs) to look at so yeah you definitely have that kind of unique perspective not just to consider your own mortality but also the like the wider world, everything in it has yeah. life. Th- so
2: yeah, I think I sort of consider the relations between human and animal life
0: mm-hmm.
2: quite a lot as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Um, I know that like I- I've kind of considered it before because I always find, specifically with like apes, I find it really, really kind of weird that we hunt or hunted anyway apes i know it's illegal um but i've always found it weird that we do that considering how similar like i know like you can look at a cow and say okay well i'm not much like a cow to be honest um (laughs) unless people think i am who knows (laughs) but like with with, like apes and specifically like monkeys apes gorillas you're so similar to them and you you almost see a human element in them
2: i think yeah it can be kind of a bit sort of unnerving mm-hmm. sometimes, like remembering how similar like we are to them, obviously. And I think that um, I think that people kind of don't also think about. I know we're talking about apes, but if you think of like pigs and different animals, I know that um, pigs are sort of just as intelligent as
0: mm-hmm.
2: dogs, obviously, and actually like three-year-old humans as well.
0: Geez, yeah. I, think, I don't
2: know, I think that's something to think about.
0: Yeah, no. It's, <laughs> the, it is kind not of strange. It's kind yeah.
2: sort of like thing, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no,
0: because uh, if you kind of, like, the way I'm looking at it now, it's like essentially we are just more advanced animals. Like, because that, I mean, that is effectively what evolution yeah, is, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, We're yeah, yeah. more yeah. advanced, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of, when you look at it from the flip side, though, if we had, if there was another species on Earth, that was more advanced than us. Does that then give them mm. the right to eat us and put us in farms? And...
2: Well, like, breed us in factories. Exactly, and, you know, yeah. Forcibly, sort of, I mean, cows, cows are forcibly um, impregnated. Like, they put, like, the bull semen, like, inside them Oof. so that they can be pregnant. Because, obviously, for milk production, cows don't produce milk if they're not, if they haven't oh, had yeah. Health. Do they, so mm. they're constantly these calves are like constantly forced to be um like given birth to these calves, which are also taken away from them like after like it seconds took like a few hours or like a day or something like that, so mm. they don't even get the chance to like establish any of these sort of mother child relationships mm. or anything just because we want some milk,
0: <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that's weird, I didn't know they did it like that. It's not very romantic, okay. is it?
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> I know it's it's strange because you kind of when you kind of think about it, it's like of course, like of course they need to have kids in order to produce milk, like every mammal. Mm. But like, and it seems like a strange thing. But then when you, I don't know, yeah, when you hear it, then it kind of seems a bit strange. Yeah, <laughs>
0: no, it's weird to think yeah. that you have to force that. Yeah, like obviously, yeah, you need yeah you need to be pregnant or have kids or whatever to be able to like yeah. give milk but yeah you never think about it like that i just always assumed yeah. oh cows milk that's that's kind of it yeah. Jeez. yeah
2: but then obviously like there's i don't know do all mammals produce milk
1: um i'll google well, it.
2: like a lot of them do <laughs> a lot of them do but um what it's, it's really strange to think what other um mammals Drinks another animal's milk through, throughout all stages of their life as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, good point actually.
2: No other animal sort of drinks another animal's milk throughout being an adult, all <laughs> let
0: alone like being a
2: child.
0: Oh yeah, no. To be yeah. fair, yeah, no. That, to be fair, that is weird. Now you say it, that is weird. Like,
1: it's grim, actually. <laughs>
0: yeah, because you don't see a goat like <laughs> sucking the on the udder of a cow, do you?
1: <laughs> no.
0: Um, all all mammals like, mm-hmm. all mammals do produce but, milk, but not all yeah. of them have teats, so they can't necessarily feed that milk.
1: Right. Which okay.
0: makes no sense. They just have milk chilling. Yeah,
1: no, that's the sense.
0: <laughs> right. That's that's weird though. I, I mean, to be fair when you look at it like that, it's like because we are all animals and we are all mammals, yeah. and like if we're yeah, the it's only. The same, on. Yeah, I mean, slip it. Like, think about
2: what if like fully grown.
1: I was drinking human milk.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of creeped me out. Thanks for that. I won't. I will eat the lasagna I was going to have for dinner now. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: I'm <laughs> sure.
0: No, I will. But. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. That, that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, though. Um, yeah. Oh, creepy. Creepy. <laughs> um yeah okay cool um if it's all right with you then i kind of i kind of want to move on to the, the like your car crash your near-death experience and your yeah. kind of experiences with that
1: yeah that's
0: awesome. <laughs> so yeah you, you obviously you sort of had your your car crash and from what you've said i actually watched one of your videos on your youtube channel talking about the sites of pain yeah. and pleasure and you talk about being surrounded by people who are on end of life palliative care and how you yeah. kind of described that as hallucinogenic and surreal kind of what made you describe the experience as that
2: well so i can kind of start with what happened like sort mm-hmm. of in the car crash because mm-hmm. i feel like otherwise i'm just suddenly in a and a um so um yeah <laughs> um so it was obviously jack who's driving um, me and another guy back from the party the night before I think it's about like nine it was like, well I know it's quarter past nine in the morning um uh, and it was snowing and um so we we skidded I say obviously but I mean it didn't have to happen but um, uh, before we get in the car actually Jack goes oh, no, I've driven in the snow before
0: <laughs> not a good sign
2: um, <laughs> no but um yeah, so um, he went around this turn and I think he ended up skidding a bit too far and then sort of an, his automatic response was to break, which is obviously, like, obviously you know that you yeah. don't do that no. on ice. But it's just that sort of Yeah, it's the instant reaction, reaction, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so, um, yeah, we ended up um, sort of flipping over and um, going into a ditch. Um, I got, at that point, I kind of got knocked out because of the impact to my face. Um so we don't actually know what it was, but I think it was the guy sat next to me. He was actually wearing quite a heavy watch and I think he like whacked me in the face as we were flipping over. Um and in in (laughs) yeah. Um in um cars, like I don't know if you've heard like when something's like flipping over, like it's at that sort of speed or whatever in the air, like really light things even can become very heavy and very dangerous. Mm. So even like, like a tissue box can sort of turn into a brick. No, jeez. But in the kind of impact that it can have on sort of our bodies or whatever, that is how it is. So, um, but yeah, so we, I remember like waking up, um, upside down, didn't really realise I was upside down. That's not really, even though you'd probably think that'd be something you'd (laughs) realise, it's just not. but um i because of this impact on my face like i do remember saying like oh i can't see because you' kind of hit me in the eye um but then so after kind of um getting out squeezing out the car because the doors weren't open um <laughs> um obviously sort of just sat and then waited for the ambulance and whatever to come i don't really massively i do remember it but People have said things about it. Like, even last night, I was just talking to Jack about it. And um, he was saying about there being, like, loads of different theatres there. And all I remember was, like, one ambulance. It mm. it's just shocked. Just, like, really strange things too, and to your memory. Obviously, it's pretty sort of distorted. But, um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think really the worst part of it for me as well was the ambulance journey just because obviously they strapped me down and like what I was thinking about at the time was how I just didn't like being strapped down like I didn't really feel anything on my face I was just like like yeah.
0: pinned down, claustrophobic
2: <laughs> oh, yeah yeah and also like I get I get kind of cast this I went to lying down the under it wasn't just because of this, it was because I was swallowing a lot of blood mm. like they had to be like fully, fully oh. flipping me over so I could up all this blood on the floor,
1: um,
2: but yeah, so in A&A, so when we got there, um, well, when I got there, um, it was, as you say, like, well, as I said, a hallucinogenic and um, surreal experience to have sort of these people. I obviously couldn't see anything because, like, you're strapped down, or all I could see was the ceiling, but. It was just like the, the awareness of that, the different sort of presences, and being able to hear people and hear things. Um, it's really strange because I can't think about what was around me because all I can see is the ceiling. But I can, you can hear different things going on, and you can hear, I don't know, not nice like things, but there was someone. Um, I don't know if it was next to me, but pretty close. that was um, she was clearly sort of choking on like the fluid in her lungs and not being able to breathe and like, that was really quite yellow, you know, yeah, like, sort yeah. of like distressing I guess but I don't know it's yeah I think I was quite aware of like the other people around me sort of receiving this sort of palliative sort of end of life care because you could tell that some of these people their families were sort of there and it wasn't a let's try and save this person it was a
0: Let's make him comfortable. Just yeah. I make
2: this yeah comfortable. Um. Yeah. Uh, mm.
0: So it's kind of just you. You're almost out of it because yeah. of that head injury.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would. I wouldn't say I was that out of it. But I don't know. It's strange. I think it. Think more than the head injury. It's the shock because there's certain things where. Or like at the time, I'm kind of talking about, I was completely fine. The only thing that was like annoying me was the fact that I was a bit cold, (laughs) which is ridiculous, but like that's that's the thoughts going through your head. And I think looking back on it, like that's part of that sort of hallucinogenic experience where you're thinking like, oh my God, like this was happening to me. I was in this situation. Yeah, I just remember thinking, oh, I'm a bit chilly.
0: (laughs) yeah fair enough so yeah it's kind yeah. of the injury kind of becomes a side part of what's going on um i mean yeah that yeah, could have been something yeah, your mind does to yeah, focus <laughs> and deal with the trauma maybe like focus on the fact that you're cold rather yeah. than the fact that you've obviously been injured so have you fully recovered from yeah. that now though yeah
2: so um at the time basically what it was so I had um because obviously this was all messed up like I had a lot of bleeding like behind my eye and um I don't I never saw this but apparently it was like my this bit of my face was on my eye it was like tennis ball sort of size mm. um I know <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see it um, but um so what they had to do like as a, an emergency operation was um Sorry if this is a bit like sort of squeamish. And me. people think, Ugh, but they had to like um, <laughs> get a scalp and then, like cut into my eye, and then get like little scissors and like sort of cut down here to release yeah. all this blood so that it could drip out. Oh god! Um, for about like a week. Jeez, but it went yeah. down quite a lot quite away. But I just remember like throughout the week I had all this blood. Like, no, I don't want to. Not both sides, just the side. All this blood sort of like dripping and leaking out because obviously else if you don't release all that pressure then that was the, that was the main sort of concerning thing that if that pressure wasn't release, then it would have gone into my brain and like given yeah. me brain damage or whatever yeah, okay <laughs> yeah
0: you can, see, can see out of that eye now
2: that's just... yeah yeah it's fine yeah okay yeah cool. it's okay I get a bit of like double vision sometimes but
1: yeah yeah fair enough <laughs> better
2: than other possibilities yeah but I don't know, that's the sort of that was the sort of um probably the closest part to the end of life sort of mortality experience because they said to um my parents and to me, but this is something that I don't remember and my dad doesn't actually remember either, because I think that's a bit of a shock thing as well. But um my mum sort of remembers Ben saying, um, if this doesn't work, then we have to sort of we're gonna have to airlift her to Nottingham so that she can have this. Um, operation that does have a very high mortality rate.
0: So oh jeez.
2: That didn't happen. That didn't happen because yeah. the ice slicing worked out, out. So.
0: Okay, good, good. <laughs> okay, that's good then. I'm glad you've like fully recovered, by the double yeah, vision. Yeah. But like you say, that yeah, could have been a lot worse.
2: Yeah, oh, it really could have been. I mean, obviously got like nobody would notice, but I've got like scar. I've obviously got the scar like there, and then like, on my nose. Mm. Um, I've got. My nose is a bit bit of, on a bit of a wonk because <laughs> um, obviously broken. I've got like a, I kind of like broke from like um, my cheek wearing like too like across the other side of my nose. I can feel like the crack there, which is a bit Ooh, gross yeah. Is well. uh, <laughs> that the other <awful laughs> <and> one? <laughs> then, <laughs> it is. And then, um, yeah, but the only lasting things, just like little, little nothing things like that. And then like I've got a bit of like nerve damage sort of here. So like, you know, when you hit your funny bone and like, it's all
0: like your nerves, like tingly. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> feels like that when I touch my nose. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh god. I mean, that could be quite fun, though. I bet that feels well weird. <laughs> it's a bit odd.
1: Someone touches your um, nose, he's like,
0: "Whoa!" Jeez. <laughs> 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 A bit strange, yeah, fair well, at least your injuries aren't too bad then. Um, and worst case, like with the scars, no, at least then, you know you, no, can co- you can kind of cover up the scars if you really wanted to. but
2: uh, it doesn't it doesn't bother me anyway. It's <laughs> fine. Well, if it helps, yeah, I can't I tell that your nose is wonky either. Okay. But then people that didn't see me, I feel like people that didn't know me before. Oh, oh, yeah, good yeah, was, like, yeah, good point. The only face for the nurse, yeah, true. I bet that was weird for, like, <laughs> yeah. Jack,
0: then, because he obviously knew you before, because he was driving, um, so I bet that was kind of weird for him.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, he... I mean, he always says that he didn't notice any difference in my face, but then he also did it, so... He wouldn't <laughs> say that he did, would he? <laughs> but, oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, um, he... Obviously, like, I'm with him now, but I wasn't then. Mm-hmm. I'd only been chatting to him for, like, I think, like, a month so or So you got
0: with him after he crushed you?
2: I did, yeah. Jeez.
0: <laughs> he must be a really good cook or something. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's not good Wait, don't... Oh, he's going to listen to this. <laughs> Sorry, Jack, His toast is lovely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. So... I, I, it's fine if you don't want to share this, but like, what? Why did you still get with him even after he did crash the car? Like, what? Like, what was your <laughs> reason for that? Because I know if somebody. If somebody nearly killed me, essentially, I wouldn't then be happy to date I them. Know,
2: I've, I've never. I know I joke about, yeah. oh, he did it or whatever, but I've never yeah. really seen it like that. It's just something that happened, and I don't see it as something yeah. that he did. Oh no, Sorry. it was
0: definitely an accident. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Um. Um. But yeah, so I don't see him as having crashed a car. I just see it as something that happened to both of us. So yeah, that's you know, true. I guess it's a bit of a shared trauma thing. Or something. <laughs> Do you feel that
0: having that shared trauma, that shared experience, actually like has strengthened your relationship somewhat?
2: Yeah, I think it. I think it probably has. I mean, I feel as though we got together pretty quickly, because, I mean, we got together, like, a couple of weeks after that happened, yeah. I think. Yeah, it sounds strange to, like, say to me, because it doesn't, that that month was a very long month, but, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so I think that it definitely, like, kick-started the relationship quicker than it, than what it might have been otherwise,
0: yeah.
2: and I think then it probably has also strengthened
0: yeah definitely I know there's a lot of like reports of people going through the same sort of experiences the same traumas and it actually does then make the relationship stronger because like at the end of the day you know you're talking about your experience with me now and I understand what you're saying and I can kind of imagine it but I could never I could never like really put myself in your shoes and say like this is what it's like to be in a car crash this is what it's like to be here and and that sort of stuff so yeah
2: but then in some ways I kind of if i'm talking about it i kind of think like oh was that me like that actually happened like you kind of i don't know i feel like i obviously am very connected to it but in some ways it's a bit of a it's like it's happened to someone else like i'm a bit Mm. disconnected in other ways
0: so it's almost like you're like yeah i get you so it's almost like you were watching it happen to somebody
2: yeah like yeah it's just that sort of real part of that kind of thing
0: Mm. Mm. okay yeah
2: i I think yeah like as you kind of said earlier i think that's how part of how
0: sort of you deal with it as well mm. yeah i know I, yeah to be fair i know that for the brain and like the mind it can be quite traumatic to literally if you yeah. were to literally sit and comprehend and deeply understand right okay you nearly died here etc etc because because the mind yeah. creates distractions for itself to deal with like mortality every day um you know that's why for yeah. example we have yeah, oh, yeah. that's why we have trophies and medals but like they only exist because yeah. trophies and medals mean nothing. The reason we have them right. is so that we can make life seem meaningful, essentially. Yeah, and so feel
2: p- like we're we're accomplishing something and as
0: exactly. a purpose. Exactly. When in the reality, the only, the only real need for human life, essentially, is to you know, survive. Is in terms of like you know eating, breathing, yeah. drinking, having children, yeah. continuing the species, improving the species. Anything yeah. else is purely leagues in existence for yeah to deal with the mortality essentially yeah so uh, looking at your art as well just to go on a slight tangent, your art is as you kind of touched on earlier very focused around the senses and central experience and that and that sort of kind of uh, focus first of yeah. all does this focus and almost fascination with the senses and their experiences come from your near-death experience and also if, if not or if, if yes then why, why is your focus so much on the senses particularly like the, the tongue, the mouth, the teeth that sort of thing
2: yeah so I think that I don't know I think that the way that you obviously picked up on the mouth the tongue, the teeth like mm-hmm. the sort of repetition of that throughout my work is quite interesting because I do sometimes I'm not fully always sure why I like doing stuff yeah. mouth so much because you think like if it was um if you were if I was considering what happened to me in the car crash and what was affected I'd surely be doing a lot more about my eye and
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> like eyes and just that kind of area but um I think um So, thinking about this sort of sensory, um, just how my work like heavily focuses on the Mm senses, I think that that's all to do with my interest of um, sort of what we take in to build realities and to build our reality and how sensory perception sort of facilitates our reality. Um, I think that thinking about the mouth, um, I think that in sort of our everyday routine, and like, as you say, like, all the stuff we do to sort of avoid, all the stuff our brain does to avoid this sort of overall truth that, like, we are mortal, um, I think that um, eating and, like, the sense of taste is such a key part in everyday routine. Like, we obviously, Mm -hmm. like, repeatedly do it every single day um, if we wanted to stay alive but um, so yeah I also think that sort of taste is probably like arguably the most sort of invasive and personal Mm -hmm. sense in the way that food, like the object of your sense is being consumed. Like you're taking that into yourself and into your body. Like you don't mm. do that in the same way with your other senses. Like, you don't physically put it inside you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I just focus on, I focus on the mouth quite a lot because it is obviously then so like intensely personal. And um, I think obviously with art, you're always trying to evoke reaction
1: Mm
2: -hmm. and um i think that that sort of invasiveness does evoke maybe like the most strong reaction in relation to sensory perception so
0: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely (laughs) because a lot a lot i've kind of obviously talked to you about this before but i've been like i've got some of your art up here actually that's kind of what i'm looking at um and a lot of your yeah. art makes me feel uncomfortable um and it sounds like that's almost your intention with it as yeah. the, the bud's gone
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> you'll be remembered as the girl with the small ears on the podcast <laughs> <laughs>
2: smile, my ears obviously move, so let's them about. <laughs>
0: this is why I wear this. Um, I usually have my head my earphones falling out, but not okay. today.
2: <laughs> um so uh yeah I think obviously art is supposed to make people think, like fine art, like what I do, it is supposed to make people think and it's supposed to evoke some kind of reaction like mm-hmm. But I'd say, like, no reaction <laughs> is the worst reaction. Like, people yeah. can tell me they, people say they absolutely hate myself. And, like, that's just as interesting mm. as if someone loved something of mm. mine.
0: Um, mm. So, with art, yeah. it's, it's a case of being, you're trying to be <laughs> yeah. polarizing one way or the other. So, if people love it, people hate it, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's just, yeah, being, because I suppose being indifferent is being forgotten. And that's not what you want as an artist.
2: Yeah, that's no, no. I think that just, I think in relation to like you saying that stuff kind of makes you feel unsettled or anxious, I think that that's just sort of also like intrinsically linked in what I am looking at, because obviously in looking at mortality and sort of exposing those concepts that we probably kind of like try to sort of bury every day through doing these other sort of meaningless things, I think obviously intrusively sort of exposing that, people are going to feel incom- uncomfortable, mm-hmm. even if maybe they don't fully know what the work is about at one point, at some point. Like they just looking at these different things and these different bodily things,
0: mm-hmm.
2: they are going to make you feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah yeah like i find the more that i look at it the the more i understand but equally the more uncomfortable i feel and the more kind of questions i have and it's kind of like an ongoing process of there's always another element that i kind of focus on yeah
2: yeah i sort of what i probably do sort of i is like sort of layering sort of um subject matter of, sort of daily like con- no, sort of conscious acts to explore these different boundaries boundaries between um, sort of like commonplace perception and reality <laughs> and like compared to sort of the more raw sort of sensuous expositions of life. Mm. So mm. It's, I don't know, it's that kind of, just like that kind of manipulation of these things from like just your physical sort of commonplace. Um, I think that when, I, when I'm when i manipulating stuff, it kind of, it always, it kind of turns out quite dreamlike and quite a lot of that sort of imagery. And I think that that, again, sort of exposes this other fragile stream of consciousness mm. slash like subconsciousness.
0: Mm. Do you ever paint then or create art directly from your dreams? Like, do you dream about a bunch of random mouths floating about? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have, I did do a um, project on dreams and like, I think it's like, it might have been a year 11 to be honest. <laughs> oh god, throwback,
0: that. yeah.
2: Um, so, yeah, one, two, three, about five years ago. No, I don't know. Something like that. That seems crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Are you year two? Your second year at uni now?
2: Second year, yeah. Yeah,
0: four or five years, yeah.
2: 12. Four years ago.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. Um, So I have done that before, but I never keep, obviously, like one of the kind of obvious things you probably do if you were doing that is to keep a dream journal and, like, obviously, write and draw from dreams. I did do that, but I didn't find it um I don't know I found I found that in that period of time, I sort of stopped having dreams, <laughs> so it wasn't massively useful. You know when you go through phases of like you're either having dreams every single night or you yeah. just stop having them completely, yeah, that's exactly um, how I
0: am. I go through phases um, where I have dreams literally every night um. And yeah. also, my dreams are never anything meaningful. Like, they're always random. Like, no. there's just some weird no. shit that goes off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know,
2: I think it's just... The f- I think it's just the fact that these things do look dreamlike just because they're part of our subconscious rather than the fact that I like, take things from dreams. Okay,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the inspiration comes from the like the actual raw subconscious and that's just kind of shown through your art yeah mm.
2: yeah and sort of just being ter- just like our consciousness and sort of like the more sort of mundane sort of flat reality and how that influences our subconscious mm.
0: interesting and it definitely produces interesting art like um like obviously i've just got it up so um <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting to say the least uh even if it does make me feel uncomfortable and not want to eat <laughs> uh so if you're so fascinated with the taste in particular you know like because it's so personal it's so intrusive would it be not not be more beneficial to you your interests and your art overall if you were to eat meat and a wider range of foods and textures and tastes more specifically um do you not feel that it almost limits you because you are limiting your diet therefore you can't experience as much as possible with your taste
2: Yeah I think that's a really fair question but um, I really do think and I think that probably a lot of other vegans, vegetarians, whatever would probably agree that I've found that I've tried so much more food and different things as a consequence of being vegan because I think that meat obviously like (laughs) orange food is cutting down your range of foods but i think that when you're eating when you get stuck in that sort of routine of eating the same things all the time and eating these meats like it is that meat is then more limiting in that way Mm -hmm. um i think that i've been motivated to try like lots more sort of new recipes and new Mm -hmm. ingredients like as i say like as you said like tofu or whatever i've tried like <laughs> I'm getting headphones to my birthday. <laughs> <For Jack. laughs> um But yeah, um, so I've also kind of experimented with different sort of substitutes. Like, I don't know if you've heard of jackfruit and banana blossom. Yeah. These different sort of plant things that um can do different stuff with. And then that's just sort of just made me more creative and resourceful and just like adventurous with different food types and different things like that Mm. so I think that it actually even though initially it would make sense to say yes like I have limited myself I really feel the opposite and I really feel that it's really like broadened
0: Mm.
2: my what I eat and yeah.
0: So, yeah, so because you've actually limited what you can eat overall, you're kind of more willing to eat what you can eat and make yeah. use of everything you can actually eat.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's obviously like a lot more. Like, we don't even, like people don't even eat that much of a range of meat. Like, it's just the same kind of dairy things and the same sort of few animals that we eat anyway, so
1: yeah, true, true, <laughs> I don't
2: true. think that it actually cut out much. Hmm. In my view, I don't see it like
0: that. Yeah, no, I thought that kind of makes sense, because like you kind of said, you eat a lot, you ate, sorry, a lot of chicken, like that was kind of your main food. Yeah, like, yeah. I eat a lot of beef, whether, you know, like it was mince, meatball, whatever, like my main food kind of is beef, but I suppose, yeah, like, I've never really... But, yeah, I suppose you know i eat I eat meat, but I've never thought, oh, you know what, let's go try goat meat or kangaroo meat, or yeah. you know, I've never thought no, right, definitely. let's go try a bunch of different meat, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah kangaroo is a weird example. I don't know why I use kangaroo <laughs> meat, <laughs> That's the <next> one. <laughs> um, the weirdest I've ever heard and had the opportunity to try, but didn't was I believe it was alligator meat, and it was actually in the Lincoln yeah. market, there was a guy there selling like seven or eight different (laughs) weird meats yeah yeah i didn't end up trying it though because i was like "Mm, alligators (laughs) are terrifying don't really want to eat one of them
1: yeah (laughs)
0: Uh, with your with your art and kind of relating to your your car crash your near-death experience you touched on in your sites of pain and pleasure video that you obsessively try to interact with and embody your trauma what do what do you mean by that specifically what kind of thing does that involve
2: I mean, because obviously that was from um, one of my uh, art videos. I am just, I was just kind of talking about the fact that I use my art to interact with and embody kind of this experience. But I think, I mean, that's probably the same as anything because you do, not just artists, but you do take personal experience from everything, like from your observations and experiences and I think that whether you're doing art or whatever you are always I think it's more clear it's more visual in art that you are embodying and sort of interacting with these things but I think that everyone does it in yeah. certain different ways
0: yeah definitely and i think it's i mean it's definitely true that everybody has a different experience of reality based on their senses and the way they look at the world and all that sort of stuff um and even like you for example you've got a different understanding of reality based on your own dietary changes your own experiences and that sort of thing so uh, obviously we kind of agree that the unconscious essentially can have a better understanding of reality because by default it's not affected by the senses and our own kind of perceived limitations etc so do you believe that there is almost an element to reality that we can't or don't understand because we are limited by our senses
2: um i think that um i don't know before like thinking about any of that i think that the sort of the actual definition of reality, like just in itself, is kind of interesting because um, obviously, like the definition of reality is all that's real and sort of the state of like what actually exists. Right. But I don't think that, like as opposed to what's just imaginary or just subconscious things, but I don't think that how what I think of as reality. Just include these sort of physically existing things. Mm. So, I don't know, I kind of think that the concept of reality is like some, like, in a way, sort of fundamentally sort of flawed because not everything is not, I wouldn't say that everything of my reality is material. Like, surely, I don't know, I think humans we don't just live within. We then don't just live within like reality, like surely we also have this sort of disturbed, sort of perverted normality of sort of subconscious perception as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting then. So for you then reality isn't just the material, what we can see, it is this distorted like you said, this distorted perception that every unique person has. Yeah. I just
2: yeah, I just think that it's interesting that, I don't know, reality is the state of what's, like, real, but, like, as, obviously, dreams and stuff, like, they aren't sort of classed as real and different imaginary things, and your subconscious and all of that, like, then surely that's not real, but it obviously
1: mm.
2: is, it's just, I think that humanity is sort of this sort of merged um sort of conscious and
0: subconscious perception Mm. yeah no i get you so hypothetical question again if there was a pill that you could take that would essentially allow you to consciously understand all that the subconscious understands so you could actually process it talk about it think for it consciously would you take it and if not or if so why
2: um i that's interesting <laughs> i feel like i would be tempted to but then also i think that there's a reason why our brains can't do that because i think <laughs> i think it would just be a bit i think it would just be too much wouldn't mm. it? because i mean as we've like, talked about like even for like different aspects of shock and different things that people might go through like the brain just automatically um sort of distorts that or focuses on other things mm-hmm. and I think there's obviously like a reason that it does that because I don't know if I don't know maybe we can hope if we
0: uh, could like uh, understand. Mm, maybe that's where like schizophrenic people come from like the condition comes from maybe like that sort of thing like maybe it's people getting too much of an understanding of their subconscious and then they go quote unquote crazy
2: yeah
0: Mm. interesting then yeah yeah fair enough i suppose uh, i hadn't really thought about that um i was kind of looking at it from a red pill blue pill kind of perspective but yeah like yeah if the brain couldn't cope with it that's that's weird um yeah that, that's kind of it for my questions then oh go on <laughs> no go on i
2: was just gonna i, I forgot what i was gonna say oh, sorry <laughs> i think <laughs> no it's gone sorry
0: <laughs> no problem if you do uh if you do think of it and remember before uh before the end of the podcast then just feel free to just randomly shout it I'll out
2: probably yeah i mean i'll probably remember it after
0: <laughs> that's cool that's cool <laughs> uh yeah ap- apologies for that then um So yeah, that's kind of it. You've got it.
2: I just remembered. Okay, cool. Um, I was just kind of thinking about um, sort of. I think even when you try and think about it, like you have all these really sort of overwhelming existential thoughts. Like, like even trying to think about it Mm. is this sort of really kind of strange experience that can Mm. make you feel quite unsettled and anxious. Like trying to think about like the purpose of life yeah. and like yeah. why do we exist and all of that even trying to think about it mm. like makes you feel a bit crazy like i think like let alone if you actually knew <laughs> yeah true. <laughs> but i don't know maybe fair. then the aspect of the unknown is what is so
0: mm, maybe scary, yeah i suppose we can never <laughs> really know um yeah. no because like i, I did ethics and philosophy at a level which obviously a lot of that comes down to thinking about not just the purpose of life but is there a life wider than the physical real world um obviously sort of referring to like god etc and like when i was when i was sitting there thinking for like essay questions i found myself kind of sitting there for like hours on end thinking just literally thinking about these issues and i i remember feeling quite anxious or unsettled almost like something was about to push me over the edge of like a waterfall is kind of what it felt like, it was kind of weird
2: yeah I think that yeah I think also it's just I don't know, all of these sort of concepts and then I always in my art I always kind of think about that aspect of our humanity compared to like how fragile and how sort of transient our physical bodies are so, I don't know, I always think kind of how do we sort of comprehend that like immenseness of our conscious like, and subconscious being in relation to the sort of, and, our, and the complex, we do have very complex physical forms as well, of course. But like, how do we sort of compare that to the truth of our mm. very like ephemeral transient existence? <laughs> mm.
0: mm. Do you think people should be more focused on trying to understand and comprehend the physical body, the mortality of it, or do you think we'd be better served trying to understand that transient element?
2: Um... I think that... I mean, recently I've become more interested in the actual physical body and, like... Um... I got a couple of, like, surgery books for Christmas <laughs> and, like, anatomy books, because I'm finding, like, all the forms and, like, mm. just the everyday processes that we go through inside us um, compared to, like, what we're doing on, this, on, our, on the outside,
1: because
2: mm. obviously, like, just eating, I'm so concentrated on eating, <laughs> but just eating as an example, like, obviously, we take in the food, but then our body's still inside we're still doing all this stuff we're doing all the digestion and everything that's not something we think about but in our, but like we are doing it and there's always stuff going on inside us to keep us alive but it's never something we really sit and think about every day (laughs) we don't need to think about it to do it obviously so i think that i don't know i'm i think that obviously all of the conceptual stuff is really interesting so i think it's so interlinked with the physical side of it though that i don't know if you could kind of separate it and say like okay i'm gonna look at the mental side rather than the
0: it's all interconnected yeah
2: side. i think i think it's like so, yeah it's so interconnected think you can split it up like that
0: mm. yeah fair enough so almost by understanding one you're gonna gain some understanding into yeah. the other yeah yeah Mm. that's made me think as well. Like back to my pill question. If you were to take a pill that allowed you to consciously understand everything the subconscious currently deals with, that would then surely mean you would have to consciously think about making your heart beat and your lungs breathe and your body digest. Like that's that's yeah. creepy now. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Nice. That
2: would yeah, as I said, I think that would just be too much. <laughs> Yeah.
0: You oh yeah, because if, yeah, if, you, if you always had to be thinking about keeping yeah, your body yeah. running, yeah, you wouldn't be able to think about anything else. God. No. Okay, no, I wouldn't take that pill. <laughs> no. That's my answer. No. I, I specifically didn't answer because I felt like you was going to say something that would make me change my mind, so...
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think just stay away from the pills.
0: Really. Yeah, just just stay away. Just, they're not good. Them, not good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. I think
2: we're good as we are.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. We're we're chill. We can we can just sit here. We I can mean, eat. We can. Not,
2: we're not perfect. But, you know. <laughs> we're, we're not we're not
0: perfect, but we get to go around. We get to eat. We get to chill. We get to do whatever. We don't need to worry about making our heartbeat. I
2: think that no, I think that we have the balance that we have for a reason.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Like. Yeah, evolution has got us to where we are now <laughs> for a reason. Yep. Hmm, interesting. Alright, cool. Well, that's actually all of my questions. So, do you have any more questions or anything you want to talk about specifically?
1: Um... I don't
2: think but I do. Um... No, I mean, I've I have recently sort of been looking at um, disgust as well because obviously this whole like our insides do quite often disgust us, <laughs> of course, and maybe sometimes probably our um, mental thoughts sometimes can disgust us as well, especially sort of intrusive. Mm-hmm. Stuff sometimes, but I, don't know, I think that um, I've been looking at sort of, are we disgusted um, at like by our existence as these sort of unpleasant, ephemeral beings, and are we disgusted by our mortality and our yes. fragility?
0: Jeez yes yeah, so that might be another yeah, element did. as to why we don't we don't <laughs> comprehend the subconscious because if we if we went around feeling disgusted by ourselves all the time then that would lead to you know like severe depression surely all the time
2: mm. i think yeah i think that it's quite unavoidable to not be a bit grossed out by some mm. inside stuff like our in ours and everything. And oh yeah for have, sure yeah yeah did have
0: this have conscious knowledge then, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. No, because like, I mean, I'm even consciously, you know, like I was looking at your art with the mouths and the tongues and like that disgusted me and that's a conscious thing, like why would I be disgusted by a mouth that most people anyway have? Like I have a mouth, I have a tongue, I have teeth, so why would I be disgusted yeah. by it? But yeah, like, and then it seeps into the conscious because that, I find that disgusting. And there are, you know, there are people that find most natural parts of, like, human body disgusting, like, I mean, for example, you look at, if somebody has a, like, a monobrow, for argument's sake, like, people find that, some people anyway, find that disgusting, but it's like, that is generally, like, naturally how most eyebrows grow, for argument's sake, some people find, like, the idea of sex disgusting, but, like, that's a natural thing, that Mm. has to happen.
2: Yeah, I think hair is definitely one of those things that is can easily sort of evoke disgust. I mean, the last thing that I posted on Instagram that you thought was smoke or (laughs) whatever—that was um, spaghetti in the bathtub—and I was kind of thinking about sort of hair and like that sort of unfamiliar hair, like interlaced within your food,
0: Oh. that kind
2: of of thing. Um, Because I think that that.
0: yeah. See, the thing yeah, that, that, that really disgusted
2: me—disgusting—that can ruin.
0: Gone. Oh. oh, I've just read the caption to that that post actually. Me
2: no,
0: Oh no, yeah, because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why <laughs> that one specifically disgusted me—the spaghetti in in the sink or the bathtub. Um, it's because I actually imagined eating that. Like, I was like, yeah. imagine eating that after it's been in the bath and it's wet and it's grim. That's what disgusted me. Like the thought of eating it
2: yeah yeah no I, that's really <laughs> yeah that's definitely a part of it I don't know if that's like our whole sort of part of it because obviously when you're thinking about food and I think that it's also very sort of cultural and societal when you're thinking about food and hair because obviously say you saw um this is like relating to like a study that Darwin did but say you saw like um some food and like um, a man's beard hair. Like that can you have, you can find that quite disgusting before. Obviously, as you said, like the thought of eating it would ever occur to you. Like, yeah. if that could even occur to you,
1: mm.
2: you would find it disgusting. You might find it disgusting before that. I think that a lot of people are kind of put off by seeing sort of linen and food in hair. I think that that's quite a normal sort of thing mm-hmm. I'd say yeah. but um I think that that is also sort of quite a societal kind of thing of sort of that then they aren't able to keep themselves in regulation with these sort of boundaries or hierarchies that they're not following the um sort of Social kind of rules of keeping yourself presentable, and I mm. think that that's kind of
0: part of stuff as well. Why is it you think then? Like looking at, let's say, body hair. Like in in the UK and generally in like Western societies, people find, like for example, you use the example of beards having food in. Uh, beards generally are kind of in the UK anyway. Generally seen as more scruffy, less less kept. Um, and you look at like body yeah. hair on women, for example, you know, like armpit hair. A lot of, a lot of people will look at that and say, like, oh, that's disgusting. Why do you think it is then that in some societies, like you look at countries like France, for example, body hair, especially on women, is normal there. Like, if you if you see a woman without armpit hair in France, that's actually then weird. Why do you think there's that kind of disparity? Yeah, I think
2: that. Um I think that I'd say that that's actually, I mean, just thinking about the fact that obviously um, it's seen as better, like if you're not hairy, I think that that is sort of somewhat to do with, um, again, obviously thinking about mortality, because um, I think that we try and avoid, um, obviously, um sort of signs of and like um oh what's the word sort of um oh what's the word
0: deterioration (laughs) just
2: things that remind us
0: oh okay Uh, no
2: like reminders of the fact that we are mortal because i think that um i think hairiness can remind us of animals and i think a lot of the time we do see animals as kind of disgusting in some ways because they're a lot less shameful about a lot of things. Or,
0: oh god, yeah, know. yeah. Um, animals don't have that like moral because, compass, yeah. do they? They they don't have the rules like no. you know. Like I know that like incest is normal in animal kingdoms. Like for example. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it could be definitely.
2: Yeah. So I think that, I don't know. I think that kind of in taking away their hair, we're sort of making sure that we deny. That sort of disgusting. Right.
0: To differentiate like, ourselves.
2: that we have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That sort of animalness that we have to ourselves. And I think again in that, um, we're also considering um, our mortality because I think that we sort of um, deny the truth that we are animals because that does remind us of our mortality and the fact that we will die. Like, we do assert this sort of superiority mm-hmm. over animals, of course. Like, kind of as you were saying earlier, like, about with the apes and stuff, like, we obviously do have this... We're, like, at the top of this sort of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is to do with morality as well. Mm-hmm. We're sort of trying to assert ourselves as, like, superior beings that don't, we're just, above all of that, sort of disgustingness. even though it's, like, obviously part of our humanity as well, we kind of try to deny it, I think.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, that could go back down to, like, the conscious trying to suppress our understanding and, and like, the way we look at things, yeah. so, yeah. Mm yeah. Interesting, yeah, no, i never looked at it like that. Um, because yeah, like you know, I I shave my face because I mean partly because my beards are shit, but <laughs> uh, but equally yeah, like it's very easy to ha- yeah look at people and be like oh you know he's got a monobrow, he's got a beard, he's like scruffy, he's not looking after himself. But yeah, no, it could just be a let's separate ourselves from animals that we perceive ourselves to be better than. Yeah. Um But in reality, there's not necessarily we're not necessarily better than animals in a lot of ways.
2: No. I think that it's also interesting in the opposite kind of way as well, because I think in general, like, yeah, just as a general thing, if an animal is more naked, we tend to see it as more disgusting. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I feel like that's because we are then reminded of ourselves. So you can see it in the opposite way as well. Mm-hmm. If we're hairy, we're more like them, but then the non, the less hairy animals, we are then again reminded of
0: ourselves yeah no you look at like naked rats or Siamese yeah. cats that sort of thing like, I know Siamese cats aren't necessarily naked but um yeah you know. yeah no I get what you're saying yeah, yeah. oh no what is what is that cat really. that's actually <laughs> naked
2: yeah
0: I'll have to look at that now um uh, I have no
2: I know what you mean I
0: don't know <laughs> oh Sphinx cat that's what I'm thinking of not Siamese Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. they are yeah. I mean they are categorically freaky looking things. Like I've got a pit video up there, yeah. They yeah. <laughs> they they are freaky looking creatures, <laughs> like um but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's just almost yeah. anything that makes yeah. us seem similar to animals is just disgusting, either because it's a reflection of yeah. our disgust in ourselves or simply because we don't want to appear to be on their level.
2: Yeah, I think Another part of it is also perhaps the fact that I don't know. I think we also sort of at the same time we sort of have this like kind of offsetting appreciation of some animals as well. Like we don't have any like we obviously like admire sort of I mean, lions or something like or like just say to someone like oh like your lion life or say mm-hmm. to a guy that like that's a positive yeah. thing. But okay. then. I think I don't know. I think we also kind of we don't. I don't have to put this. <laughs> um, so even though we have this, we have this like need and haste to assert the superiority over animals. We also have this sort of jealousy towards them because they can obviously, apart from the sort of mental side of stuff, like they have the physicalities and the ability to obviously do anything that we can do Mm. but they also do it with these coatings of hair they also do it without this sort of naked shame that we kind of have I don't know there's a lot of things there's a lot of sort of ideas obviously about our nakedness and shame like they obviously they do they have a lot of capabilities but they do also do it with hair <laughs> so i think that um in consideration of that and just in consideration of the physicality humanity actually kind of makes for a really sort of weak species of beast
0: mm. yeah definitely especially considering we're meant to be like the apex predator like if we were, if i was to go into a one-on-one fight with a bear I lose every time. Even a, even a monkey or an ape yeah. or a gorilla, I lose. Yeah. Like, there's no way I win that.
2: Yeah. Exactly. But we still kind of place ourselves above them all. Mm. But really, like, as an animal, we're a bit pathetic, like, physically. <laughs>
0: yeah, literally. Yeah, because we can't climb trees very well anyway. We can't we swing do. from <laughs> vines. We can't... We're not even that great at hunting. Like, if... For most people, if they... Like, if you were told... You we don't, like,
2: we don't have... We don't have, like,
0: yeah. God, God, yeah we don't have anything like that's no, right like lions for example no, the, we
2: don't have like the teeth the claws
0: yeah, yeah exactly yeah we don't have the teeth the claw we don't have we don't, tail I, I
2: think it's so sorry. yeah no sorry my yeah. internet as well um
0: yeah. but yeah like we don't have anything that would make you an apex predator and <laughs> i think actually i've read somewhere that that's actually because nice. we became the apex predator that we've then evolved to become soft because we didn't need to hunt. We didn't need to hunt, we didn't need to climb trees to hide because we are at the top mm. of the hierarchy. You almost just evolved to become soft because you don't need it anymore.
2: Yeah. We yeah. Yeah. In like a animal view with like de is it devolved? <laughs> so,
0: exactly, yeah. Yeah. Is yeah.
2: That a word? I don't know the word. Devolution <laughs> is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, you see that a lot, though, like, <laughs> not just on an evolutionary standpoint, but you see that from, like, a societal standpoint, you know, like, once, like, look at the uh, the Roman Empire, for example, you saw that, mm-hmm. it was, the Roman Empire essentially established themselves as the greatest power in the world, and then they became soft, and then that's, ex- like, this is what's happening in humanity, what happens in society, and, yeah. yeah, eventually it just leads to some sort of collapse, in most cases, anyway.
2: yeah
0: Mm, it's definitely definitely interesting it'll be interesting to see where the future goes with it for sure like what will we evolve into will we become more of this same soft pathetic animal or will we will we start trending back towards becoming an apex predator who knows
2: yeah that's so interesting like what humanity will look like and be like within like i don't know how long i don't really know much about evolution (laughs) i don't know how long it kind of takes for like there to be really noticeable changes millions
0: and millions and billions of years so long so long
2: yeah so well i don't think i don't think i don't think we'll be here in millions of years but (laughs) if we were to be
0: (laughs) speak for yourself i'm immortal (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i don't think i'd want to be there anyway um yeah, know, great, 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 great kids, maybe, but, yeah, no, it would be interesting to see for sure, um, I mean, the world may not even exist at that point, who knows, meteorite, everything's gone. I'm
2: not that, I'm not that optimistic about that, to be honest.
0: Luckily, it's not our problem, we don't need to worry about that.
2: Well, I think, in some ways, it's kind of, some aspects of it um,
0: are obviously present, but oh yeah, like, not
2: the really dramatic stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like don't be wrong. Yeah, be conscious of um, like global warming and, and those kind of issues because yeah. like setting it up for the future generations. But do we realistically need to worry about creating some sort of plan in case a meteorite hits us and blows up the world? Nah. Uh, but yeah, be be conscious of some issues, like global warming, um, like like those kind of issues for sure.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah,
2: I don't know. I think that there's oh. yeah. No, go on. <laughs> just gonna say there are certain things like what is it? I think I dunno, certain things that we use that just won't be sustainable for much longer, like different things, obviously coal and mm. whatever, so there are definitely parts of that that are present today. But mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, 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 that's fair, yeah. Definitely know, there are I mean, issues. Sorry, gone.
2: Yeah, I know that it's not I know that it's not obviously that much longer if we even can reverse sort of all the damage we've done if it's that much longer till it's sort of permanent and we can't do anything about it.
0: Mm, yeah either way it can't hurt to be conscious about it and and kind of do what we can because at the end of the day if it is irreversible we're still making positive changes and if it isn't reversible sorry if if it is reversible then we're making the positive changes and reversing it if it isn't reversible yeah. then either way we're still making the positive changes and stopping it from getting worse so yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: mm yeah no this this this, i mean this is the exact reason that like i'm trying to be more conscious of my like waste in terms of like food packaging especially plastics um i'm actively trying to move away from using plastics period um like for example it's rare that i do but if i was to eat a pot noodle then i don't eat it in the plastic um, like it's not yeah. the re- I don't really eat them because at the end of the day it's still got that level of waste and they're not tasting great anyway. Um, but if I do eat one, I never eat it in the plastic because of the actual negative health impacts as well that are caused by having yeah. plastic containers. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I definitely think it's worth being kind of more conscious and, and like aware of these specific issues like coal, like plastics, like waste, like global warming just so even if it doesn't affect us as a generation it can affect our kids and our our grandchildren and and all that sort of stuff
2: yeah I think that um, I think yeah ultimately everyone needs to decide upon and act upon what changes they think are actually realistic Mm -hmm. for them to make because obviously I think that and I think once you do make tiny changes like over Time, when you're making more small and, when you're making more small changes like you've actually ended up making quite a big change. Mm-hmm. I mean just thinking about sort of um veganism or whatever like obviously if you go from like eating loads of meat and dairy to straight away being vegan like that's not like you can do it people do do it but like quite often that's not a very realistic thing to do and i think that gradually cutting out things or like just eating less like literally as i kind of said earlier just having like one day a week where you don't eat meat for the day mm-hmm. or whatever is a really positive thing
0: yeah definitely like i mean i'm looking at it from the perspective of, yeah. of me as like a business owner like i never look at this big task that i want to achieve and then just do that task it's always yeah. a case of break it down into smaller things do incremental little changes yeah. every day and then if it like say eventually you get to your end goal
2: yeah yeah no it is a case of splitting up even if you don't know what your overall goal might be like i didn't become pescetarian like six years ago thinking oh i'm gonna end up being vegan like i've never thought i probably didn't even know what it was to be honest <laughs> so yeah i think that even if you don't know what your overall goal is like
0: you need to just take these little steps thought we could have got through the rest of it without you without your phone falling (laughs) out no yeah no make yeah makes sense though take take it one day at a time one step at a time incrementally implement that and then eventually you can get to where you want to um, and yeah, it's, it's yeah. always a case of keep learning more, keep improving it as it goes. Like you say, you probably didn't even know what veganism was, and then you learn what veganism was, no. and you understand. Okay, well, I can take this one step further. I can have more of an impact, etc. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. Really interesting. Then, uh, so is there anything else you wanted to ask, talk about, sort of share before we head off? Um. No, I think about everything. Okay. Awesome. Really? Well, it's been I mean absolutely... I feel like. Oh, go on.
2: Yeah. Go on. <laughs> oh sorry, on. Oh, sorry. I was just saying I feel like obviously we can you can talk about you can talk about some of the stuff we've talked about endlessly. Oh but god, yeah. I think we've covered. <laughs> I think we've covered some basics of stuff.
0: <laughs> oh yeah for sure we, we've definitely covered a lot of stuff uh, but like you say you know, yeah. we, we can always have you on another episode in the future and talk about one of these issues for a six hour podcast <laughs> <laughs> like a 24 hour podcast <laughs> episode yeah that's true it's okay, a 24 hour
2: I'm not sure I could do that <laughs> no even
0: me don't worry um, I mean, it would take a lot of coffee but no really <laughs> yeah.
2: I just yeah. have all my meals lined up.
0: we'll just have we'll have a buffet we'll just literally have like all the food just laid out in like a big buffet style and then whenever we get hungry just go and eat
2: yeah i mean i've got my emergency banana (laughs) right here so i'm already tired
0: (laughs) (laughs) did you have that there just in case you got hungry in the podcast
2: yeah i do yeah i just i get hungry like and this isn't because i'm vegan this is just me like i just like eat things i just yeah i was worried
0: i'd get hungry <laughs> i that would i would have died honestly if you'd started eating a banana randomly <laughs> no i wouldn't i wouldn't but i
2: just thought what if i feel so hungry yeah. i just i just need the option i just needed
0: the option yeah that's fair that's enough fair. i go through weird stages <laughs> like sometimes i get really hungry really easily but then like now for example i've not eaten anything today at all and i'm not hungry like no i, I go through phases so it's weird Like, there's times where I've just, like... Last year, I did a three-day fast where I literally ate no food for three days. And I didn't get hungry at all. But then there's other times where I'm like, I haven't eaten in 20 minutes and now I'm hungry. Don't
2: know. Yeah. No, I do understand that. But, yeah. No, fasting is something that I will never go near. Also, I don't don't get it when people don't eat, like, the whole day.
0: Um, I mean... (laughs) it's it's difficult cuz like i work out and i would never fast on a day where i work out because i get really lightheaded and sick yeah. so it's not good for you in terms yeah, of yeah no that
2: would just be stupid
0: exactly exactly <laughs> like i do i categorically like i'm like right okay i'm fasting today i'm i'm just not going to work out um but then equally i have seen positive benefits from doing it um like yeah. i don't normally eat breakfast so i normally do what's called like intermittent yeah. fasting um cool. I kind of assumed that you didn't eat breakfast. Why did you
2: assume that? After okay. what you just said. Oh. <laughs> because you just said that you hadn't eaten so And I thought, if you ate breakfast normally, then you would have eaten today. So like,
0: yeah, possibly, I possibly. I don't
2: like it when people don't eat breakfast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, why don't you I like just, it? What?
2: I just, think, just as soon as you wake up, like, you just need some food. See, I can't, <laughs> I think, can't think of anything worse. want
0: to eat? I can't think of anything worse. When I first wake up, I'm like, I don't want to eat. I'm just like, ugh. Like, get me a coffee and I'm good to go.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I just... Yeah, Jack moans at me because as soon as I wake up, I'm off to get food. (laughs) I mean,
0: there's nothing wrong with it. And I mean, actually, it does make sense. Like, throughout history, people have eaten breakfast first thing, like, the second you wake up. Yeah. And it's because it, I mean it's called breakfast. Uh, breakfast, so it literally is to yeah. break the fast of the dinner yeah, to just, the the, uh, the yeah, breakfast. Come.
2: I, I think that obviously, from dinner, to then the morning, like that is quite yeah. a decent amount of time. Hopefully, yeah. for normal people, <laughs> for most people, I just I'm just saying, like, sort of eat, like. At whatever time in the night, and then. Oh God. Yeah, so <laughs> but most of the time,
0: that's quite a long amount of time. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. Um, I probably should start but eating I breakfast. It, I
2: think that it just <laughs> makes sense to eat.
0: Yeah, no, it yeah. De- it, it yeah. definitely does make sense, and it. I mean, to be fair, it probably wakes you up because you're getting that hit of energy. Um, and there are times where I do eat yeah, breakfast, yeah. but sometimes, like today, I woke up and I'm like, I'm not hungry, and then it got to lunchtime, and I'm like, I'm not hungry, so I'm just not going to eat um yeah but, yeah
2: i don't know i think that even if i'm not hungry i just i'm that is just such a key part of my <laughs> routine to eat like even if i'm not hungry at lunchtime it doesn't matter like it's lunchtime <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean i do get that i do get that i mean it's obviously it's helping you experience the world through taste so it's for but, research anyway
2: yeah. <laughs> well i am just like I do just love food. So. Mm. Oh yeah, no, f- food happy. is wonderful. <laughs> food is by yeah. far
0: one of the best things on the planet. It is.
2: it is. I
0: will never understand the people that just eat to survive. Yeah, no,
2: that, I, yeah. because you have to eat.
0: Like no, no, I do agree with that. Like it is, <laughs> it is rare where I choose not to eat. Overeating for sure, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Cool. Right, well, if it's alright with you then, I'm um, going to wrap this episode up. It's been fantastic chatting with you, and yeah, we've talked about a lot of really interesting mind-bending stuff, um, and I'm sure there's going to be a ton of questions asked by, by our viewers, so yeah, it's been really, really interesting, so thank you for coming thank on. Thank you very much. And thank you, thank you for sharing thank your experiences as well, because <laughs> you've, you know, you've gone really like deep and personal, which is fantastic. <laughs>
2: That's fine. Thank you.
0: No problem. So, for everyone watching/slash listening, wherever you are in the world, um, I'm going to put Chloe's art account and your personal Instagram, okay? I'll put that in the description. Yeah. Make sure you give Chloe a follow. Feel free to ask either her or myself any questions you have about anything we've talked about today. And as always, send us an email at theregalpodcastgmail.com if you have any questions specifically for the podcast and or you want to come on as a guest yourself. So this has been Jordan and Chloe. We've been talking to you about veganism, about our relationships with animals, and even about our understanding of the subconscious. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys next week.